Letting go of a dream is a process, a series of openings and closings of the hand, as you watch the magic dust you've been cradling so carefully trickle away in thin streams. It's a progression, one that cannot be rushed. The key is to practice losing a bit at a time, lest you fall apart when you see it's all gone. I spilled the first of my dust in my doctor's office on a sunny spring morning in 1995, after yet another ultrasound failed to locate a heartbeat, for just a week earlier there had been two. I let loose another trickle a couple of months later, after an obligatory meeting with the head of the egg donor program at Yale. My doctor wanted me to hear all the options, and so, like a dutiful daughter, I went. But my husband and I were already in debt after years of infertility treatments, and the cost of a donor egg plus in vitro fertilization was well beyond our reach. Even if we could have afforded it, I felt too gun-shy to undergo yet another procedure with no guarantee of results. If my goal was a baby, any baby, didn't it make more sense to start with one already born? A friend's sister had recently adopted a beautiful Chinese baby girl. Neither the cost nor the red tape involved had discouraged me from elaborate fantasies of following suit. My husband, however, was another story. My wonderful husband, who'd been ambivalent about kids from the start, had made it clear all along that adoption was a bridge too far. I couldn't fault him. As it was, Mark had been unfailingly supportive and sympathetic, administering my nightly shots, producing semen even before his morning coffee, and comforting me over each failed attempt. The sad truth is that we'd come a little late to the baby business. I was 36, Mark a year older. For the first four years of our marriage, we'd focused on our careers and each other. I never expected my priorities to shift as abruptly and drastically as they did, in a manner that was less rational decision than biological imperative. Living in Fairfield County, Connecticut was like living in a fertility theme park. I was surrounded by pregnant women and women with babies. Watching Mark with his three brothers' children only inflamed my ever-increasing baby lust. As an uncle, he was a natural, gentle, playful, and inventive. Anyone could see how great a father he would be. But by the time I was ready to consider adopting other people's babies, the bulk of our married agenda had been dictated by our struggle to reproduce. There has to be more to life than that, Mark said. Although I was far from convinced, it was clearly time to find out. To be fair, the plus side of my ledger was not exactly empty. In addition to my marriage, I had a demanding and fulfilling job writing national features for the Associated Press in New York City, where Mark worked as a supervising editor. I had Jake, my beautiful Labrador retriever, born the very day of my first miscarriage. He'd been my constant companion and gentle web-footed nurse ever since. I had my older sister Debbie and her kids, five-year-old Zoe and nine-year-old Ben, my wonderful substitute children, their young lives unfolding just two streets away, enabling me to be their first babysitter.